Bob Paul Levinson, and this is Light On, Light Through, episode 27, Cops Cracking Down on Journalists Again. Well, it's March 25th, 2007. Josh Wolf is still sitting in a jail cell in California. That's one of the worst things that's happened in this country, one of the worst affronts on journalists in our whole history. But today I want to talk to you about something that happened just a few days ago in New York City, which is nowhere nearly as bad as what Josh Wolf has been subject to. But what happened here in New York City is nonetheless indicative of the continuing attack on journalists by our government. Here's what happened in New York. This was this past Thursday night, March 23rd. Two Columbia University journalism students got a little taste of jail. Their crime? Shooting a video for a class assignment about crime rates in Washington Heights. That's a neighborhood in New York City. Now, I have to tell you, this incident cuts very close to home for me, because although I teach at Fordham University, not Columbia University, those students could have very easily been students in a class I'm currently teaching called Targeted Writing. Anyway, this incident began when the two students started videotaping police cars at the 33rd Precinct in Manhattan in Washington Heights. The students were doing their videotaping from a lot behind the police precinct. Officers told them to move. People are not allowed in that lot. Well, the student journalists complied and resumed videotaping from a public sidewalk in front of the police precinct. Soon, a different group of police officers approached the student journalists. The students explained what they were doing. Well, this apparently didn't satisfy the second group of police officers because the student journalists were taken into custody and put in a holding cell. Their camera, their cell phones, their personal belongings were confiscated. They were even treated to a gem of NYPD humor. According to Andrea DeMarco, one of the two student journalist. His partner was Gabriella Werman. When the two were escorted inside, one of the officers cracked wise to them, we're going to show you a view from the inside. Well, not quite as good as what we heard on NYPD Blue and Law and Order, but hey, these are real New York City cops, not actors and actresses. But it's no laughing matter, not at all. DeMarco and Werman say they were not allowed to call an attorney, nor were they read any rights. The two were released three hours later. They were charged with trespassing. Now, I'm wondering how on earth someone can be charged with trespassing when they're videotaping from a public sidewalk. Perhaps the charge has to do with when the two student journalists were in the parking lot, but they were not charged when they were in the parking lot. They were accosted and arrested because they were videotaping from a sidewalk. So, 
our slide into a police state continues. This manhandling of journalists has to stop. I take this personally as well as professionally because, again, I am a professor who teaches journalism courses. You know what? I wish the cops would come and arrest me if I gave the students an assignment and then the students were arrested for something like that. Because if they did, I would sue New York City for every cent that I could. I'd no doubt get a couple of million dollars, and then I'd be able to retire. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm never going to retire from doing podcasts or writing blog spots or, or even teaching. You know, one of the worst consequences of September 11th is how it has pushed us so much closer in the name of defense to a 1984-type police state, a place where journalists such as Josh Wolf get thrown in jail for doing their job. He's been there now for over nine months. A place where student journalists such as Andrea DeMarco and Gabriella Werman, who are pursuing their degree at Columbia University, get hours of jail time for the crime of doing their assignment. Is this the kind of lesson we really want to teach our students? I call upon Mayor Bloomberg of New York City and his police commissioner, Kelly, to do their jobs, step up for democracy, and bring the cops who arrested DeMarco and Werman, including that wisecracking cop, to justice. The Light on Light Through podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease dot com. Hey, if you want to make an impact online, check out GoDaddy.com. It has dot com names for as low as one ninety nine. Plus, they have world class hosting, fast and easy website builders, and much more. And if you mention the special code POD four, that's Pod four, you'll get ten percent off your web hosting. Or BLU4, that's Blue 4, gives you 10% off everything else you may buy at GoDaddy.com. And this brings us to our Flashes section. First, I'm sure you all heard what happened earlier this week with the misreporting of John and Elizabeth Edwards. Just in case you didn't, if you were on Mars or Alpha Centauri somewhere, Elizabeth Edwards' cancer reoccurred. There were reports about this. What was John Edwards going to do? The Edwards called a news conference to take place uh, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. About an hour before that, Politico.com published a piece which said that the Edwards had decided that John Edwards would suspend his campaign so that he could spend more time with his wife. MSNBC, CNN, NBC, and CBS went with this story. Actually, Fox News, to its credit, did not, uh, and neither did uh, the AP. In any case, at 12 noon, the Edwards started their press conference, and John Edwards announced that although his wife's cancer had indeed recurred, that he and she were confident that it could be treated with 
John Edwards continuing his campaign, as a matter of fact, uh, continuing it to the point that Elizabeth Edwards would be able to join him uh, on the road for most of his campaign stops. In other words, the initial report that MSNBC and CNN and the other media went with was completely wrong. So there are two points, I think, to make about this big misstep. I mean, it's not the end of the world, obviously, but it's a, it's a pretty serious error for the media to make, to basically be misreporting a story like this for even an hour. I think that there are two points to be made. One is that I, the blame lies primarily with the mass media themselves. MSNBC and CNN need to be a little more careful. They have a responsibility. Millions of people are watching them. And journalists, as my listeners know, I think are entitled to constitutional protections, to safeguards, to respect, to not being manhandled by cops, as I was just talking about earlier. But in return for that, we expect journalists to make an attempt to report the truth. And making an attempt does not mean just blindly going with a story. So that's point one. Point two, where did they get the story? Well, as I mentioned, it was published on Politico.com, uh, and I'll have a link to that website on my show notes for this episode. But the story was published there because a reporter by the name of Ben Smith didn't check his sources as fully as he should have. Actually, he got the story from one reliable source and then did not go and do the essential next step of getting a second reliable source. But, you know, these things happen. Journalists are only human. So I don't really put the blame uh, all that much on Ben Smith or even on Politico.com. But here's what I do think is an important point to bear in mind. I think that we have to recognize that blogs are playing an increasingly important role in the delivery of news. And contrary to what people are saying, or maybe not contrary, but in addition to what people are saying about bloggers being as careful as mainstream journalists in checking their sources, I think that bloggers have to be even more careful, because that's the reality of this digital age. Blogs have an even additional responsibility to be even more careful, because what's happening is bloggers are becoming the first line of news reporting. And the mass media can't help but pick up on what they see on blogs. So yeah, the mass media have to be more diligent, but in many ways it's the bloggers' responsibility to not only be as diligent as mass media, but more so. And in that way, the process will work more effectively. So Al Gore was back on Capitol Hill this past week testifying about global warming, and this, unsurprisingly, brought out the typical Republican chorus still laughing about Al Gore's claim that he invented the Internet. So I thought it might be a good idea to go back and look at the actual quote. This actually occurred on a Larry King interview that Al Gore did in 1999. So here, then, is an exact direct quote from Al Gore about this subject. Quote, During my service in the United States Congress, I took the initiative in creating the Internet. 
I took the initiative in moving forward a whole range of initiatives that have proven to be important to our country's economic growth and environmental protection. Improvements in our educational system, unquote. So now, I ask my Republican friends, I don't know if I have any Republican friends, but just in case I do, hey, I'll ask my Republican enemies. I'll ask anyone, does that really sound like Al Gore is saying he invented the Internet? I don't see how any rational person could say this. To invent means you have an idea about something that does not exist, that doesn't exist at all in reality. And what does invent mean? You take that idea and you make it real. You turn it into a tangible, working technology. Gore did not say he invented the Internet. He says, quote, I took the initiative in creating the Internet. I took the initiative in moving forward a whole range of initiatives, etc., etc. Admittedly, the word creating might not have been the best in that sentence. But nonetheless, I think in context, it's pretty clear that what Al Gore was talking about in 1999 is not that he invented the Internet, but that he was instrumental in helping it along, in creating, as he said, a range of initiatives to further our country along the technological course of having an important role in the Internet. That's clearly what Al Gore was talking about. So, hey, Republicans, I know you're frightened that Al Gore may decide to run in 2008. Uh, Do yourself a favor and stop mentioning this nonsense over and over again. The reason why I'm even focused on it is I had a blog piece about Al Gore, and I'll put uh, the URL to that in the show notes for this episode of Light on, Light Through. And some... Republican came in and just put in the quote, I took the initiative in creating the internet, and that was the only part of the quote that was included. So, you know, another sign of uh, desperation. And hey, you know what that is, our promo suite. First and foremost, you'll hear Mike thinks, strap on those headphones. Mike just got back from vacation. Uh, He's a little tired because of all the amusement parks he had to go through. But he did a great show nonetheless this past Friday. Listen to MikeThinks.com. He has an excellent commentary on a judge striking down COPA. That's the Child Online Protection Act. Another attempt of Congress to strangle our communications, this time wrapping themselves in the sheet of they want to protect our children, which of course we all want to do, but uh, a judge saw exactly what was going on, realizes that we have enough technical controls in place that if parents responsibly use them, children can be protected from online porn. We don't need the government to go after organizations and online sites that are actually servicing adults, not children. You'll also hear a promo for Sean Farrell, who's continuing his great patio book of my first novel, The Silk Code. And you'll hear a bunch of other promos, too. And a new one I want to point out to you is a promo for a great podcast, Two Guys Talking About 24. So listen to that as well. And I had a great time talking to you, as always. 
sit back, relax, and I'll see you next time. the Mike Thinks podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. From patiobooks.com. The day started just like any other day. Always does. Until I watched one of my closest friends die right in my arms. Nothing I could do. But his death was a beginning, not an end. And now I've been thrust into a timeless conflict of pyromaniac insects and instant mummification, a war within our very genetic makeup. And when the powers of the ancient world collide with modern technology, no one is safe. Not me, and certainly not you. I'm Dr. Phil D'Amato, NYPD Forensics, and the only way to save myself is to solve the mystery of the Silk Code. The Locus Award-winning novel by Paul Levinson comes to life in this free podcast novel. Journey into the ancient world, witness the wonder of ages past, Join Phil D'Amato in a struggle against forces both ruthless and unseen. Visit www.thesilkcode.blogspot.com to learn more about the author and the novel. And subscribe today at patiobooks.com. Join the battle, witness the wonder, or forever be victim to the awe and power of the Silk Code. Phil D'Amato is ready. Are you? Did you walk out of the Matrix and wonder if you're a battery in a jar? Did you walk out of Daredevil and wonder, what is it like to be a bat? Do you and your friends stay up at night debating good and evil in the Star Wars universe? Does the question of life, the universe, and everything intrigue you? Then open your mind and tune into The Sci-Fi Show, thescifishow.com. And that's five with a PH. Do you remember what he looked like? Hey, this is Jake. I do a show called Just Not Right, the podcast. You can find it at notrightpodcast.com. It's funny, fresh, entertaining. I mean, sometimes I'll just take the mic and say, Hey, oh my, you look nice. You are wonderful. Thank you for listening. You are the best. Check it out. There's a segment called Letters from a Utah Nut. It's hilarious. I know you'll love it. I'm writing this letter in regards to your giant D sign located in front of your store. I want to climb it. Please do not climb the sign. Would it be all right if everyone from our company just started singing? Although we enjoy our customers' enthusiasm for our product, it is strange and unusual for large parties to join in chorus in our lobby. Is it okay for me to be using Windex as a cologne? All S.C. Johnson products are extensively evaluated for toxicity and safety. <laughs> Hilarious! Do you remember what he looked like? NotRightPodcast.com See you there.
Punk Horror Podcast, coming to you every other week from Punk Horror Press, featuring The Punk and the Pastor, a movie review show featuring David Giannis and Stacey Campbell, and author Red Fiction, featuring the best in horror and punk fiction. Don't miss it. Subscribe now at www.punkhorror.com. world full of hopelessness and despair. Only two guys had the power to deliver the world from certain destruction. Nathan and Carlos are Podcast Pendulum. Watch it all unfold at podcastpendulum.podomatic.com He's green-lighted. A submarine is ordered to move into position and when ready, to launch its nuclear-powered warning shot. And the boop, beep, boop, Beep continues. What you've just listened to is the opening piece of each and every Two Guys Talking 24, an online radio talk show, a podcast dedicated to the brilliance of the hit Fox show 24. Join Brian and Mike as they talk about the worst days of Jack Bauer's life, only at the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, available at Two Guys Talking. That's the number two, guystalking.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.